When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. We are football commentator Matt Messiano, football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Burdell. And together we are the Watford Buzz. And this is the Watford End of Season Review uh, Part 1. In this part, we're uh, going to look through the players that took us all the way to the Premier League. And as we go through, then we'll pick our best first eleven and other stuff as, as it just develops naturally. Um, right, well, guys, starting with the formation then, I suppose... That's the best place to start with if we're going to be thinking about picking a first eleven because we need to know what we're looking for. Jordan, in terms of formations this season, Watford played two main ones, but it's arguably the last one that we've seen for the last 20-odd games or so that they excelled in. So um, what should we go for? Yeah, I think we can't really go over anything else, can we? I think it has to be a 4-3-3. I think everything changed uh, at that point of the season, didn't it? So... I guess maybe it's three. I guess we kind of stuck. With, we kind of worked with this season. If you think about that four four two when Shishko first got there, yep, yeah. Um, and then obviously Ivic is three five two. Uh, so yeah, I think it has to be that or three. Sorry, you played more of a three four three, didn't you? Anyway, um, I think we have to stick with that four three three just for the fact that it it really felt like the catalyst to our kind of turn in in the season there. Okay, four three three. Then um, it doesn't really matter what formation we go for in this position because we're going to start off with the goal. Uh, and usually it's an open and shut case, isn't it? In the goal, it's, it's usually one guy that's in there for pretty much the whole season. But not this season. It's uh, not as open and shut a case because both Ben Foster and Dan Backman had relatively good seasons, and um, it's probably going to be more difficult than it would have been in previous seasons to to choose a number one. But um, let's start with yourself, Tom. First, let's discuss Ben Foster. How What did we think of his season? I'm struggling to think of anything that he's done wrong, to be honest with you. I'm sure there must have been a screw-up in there somewhere, and, and jump in if you can think of one. But I don't think he really put a foot wrong, did he, in the in the games that Was he it, played? I'm thinking of one particular, but I can't, I can't, pin, I can't pinpoint what it is. But I thought there was one particular... <laughs> Where he just kind of pass, did he just pass the ball into midfield at some point? Yes, you're right. Out to the left hand side, wasn't it? Hand yes, side, it was out to the left hand side. But I think the fact that we had to think about it so hard and we still can't place it is reflective of the fact that he has had a really good season. And yeah, as, as you're right, say Matt, normally it's an open and shut case, isn't it? There is actually a bit of debate around it. I I love Ben Foster to pieces. I think I've only grown to love him 
more this season because of his fantastic YouTube content and the kind of character that we've seen. And there's no doubting in my mind that he has played, even in a supporting role, such an important um, role, uh, even as the kind of backup and cheerleader to Dan Backman, that, you know, he, he deserves this, the plaudits that come his way every bit as much as Batman. Yeah, I think I think you pretty nailed pretty much nailed everything there. Um, I think we talk when you're talking about promotion seasons, you look at all these kind of factors that play a part in it. I think you have to accept, you have to kind of appreciate Ben Foster's role in that in that promotion, not just for the performances he had on the pitch, but as Tom touched on there, he, he played a crucial role off it. And we we might not, not we might not get to see that as much as we'd perhaps like to. Obviously, uh, him him doing his YouTube stuff maybe gives you a little bit more insight into into what's going on there, but. I think these these things all play a part and it almost creates... I think every promotion you can go through and look at the the aspects that make it somewhat of a perfect storm. And I'd say I'd say Ben Foster definitely played his part in this one. Absolutely. He had lots of plaudits for the YouTube stuff. Uh, but then he got his critics as soon as it didn't start to go very well. Of course, the uh, the Jamal Lowe pointing at the, uh, the GoPro. Oh, Everyone was then yeah. all of a sudden saying, oh, well, maybe he shouldn't be doing the GoPro stuff. But I think ultimately uh, it was an overwhelming success, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm honest, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of his his YouTube. I'm not massively against it, but I I would be I would be being dishonest if I didn't say that part of the reason why I choose Backman in this in this discussion here is is because I, I really like his I really like his focus and his energy. And I'm not saying Ben Foster's not focused during during a game, but there's just something about Backman's hunger which I appreciate, and I think it comes mm. across in his game. And maybe that's just not Ben Foster's personality, which is fair enough. But I, I do think the, the YouTube thing adds a little bit of a distraction. It almost kind of, it backs up people's criticism of, of him sometimes, which is a little unfortunate. But that's just personal preference. I'm not trying to get at Foster for it. It's just kind of how I feel. So that, as I've said, I'm jumping the gun a little bit now too. But <laughs> that's where ultimately I'll go with Backman myself is this one more reason. But I think Backman's been great. So that's you know also what? why. The, the, I don't disagree with what you've said. I think it makes it very easy to sort of to bash Ben Foster over the head, doesn't it? The YouTube channel. Uh, oh. I, I don't. For what I agree with you. I don't for one second think that he's thinking about it during games and it's distracting him. But it, it just it just makes it gives people a very easy thing to go to, mm. doesn't it? And we had that whole debate earlier in the season, as you say, after the Jamal Lowe stuff, and we talked about it then. And you know, quite frankly, I'm I'm bored to death of it. But um, I I think it probably is kind of. Um, you know, indicative of his character. He's always struck me as someone who is quite laid back, and and you know, football isn't his be all and end all, is it? We we know this from you know from the videos. Ironically, you know, he loves his he loves his cycling, he loves his fitness, he loves his his food and so on, and trainers and all sorts. But I think we knew that before this, didn't we? You know, the when he signed, there was an interview, wasn't there, where he said, you know, I could very well have hung up my gloves at that point if it wasn't for Watford. You know, I I kind of get the impression that he is someone who probably is more at the sees football as a job end of the scale. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Whereas, you know, Backman, as, as, as you said, Jordan, I think the intensity was the word you used. And I think, I think that's absolutely right. And it's been an interesting season. They've played the same number of games. And, you know, we maybe have seen the sort of the, the, the passing of the torch this season, haven't we, for... For for the future, but and if that's the case, I can't think of anyone better to back up Dan Batman than Ben Foster and push him the whole way, and you know be that um, you know kind of mentor as well as teammate and so on. So I think we're in a really healthy position on the goalkeeping front. Okay, well it looks like we're going to be going for for Dan Batman uh, as our number one in our 
our starting eleven. But uh, let's just have a few more words about the the young man who um, has had a really good breakthrough season, hasn't he? Because I mean, if we'd asked any Watford fan before the start of the season who's going to be the number one, it would have been no question. Ben Foster, as long as he's staying, he's going to carry on. And, and, and so it proved to begin with. But then once uh, Ben Foster picked up that injury, Backman came in and people were a little bit nervous. They'd seen him play in the cup and they'd seen him do very, very well. But they were thinking, well, you know, is he championship ready? Uh, absolutely, was the, was the answer. And, um, you know, he never really looked back, did he, Jordan? No, I think as soon as he came in, he took that chance uh, extremely well. He's, I think he's been great, honestly. I, I think to, to come in at that point in the season as a goalkeeper is difficult, isn't it? And he really just took it in a stride. And I think he, he gave a level of assurance to that back line, which I mean, we, we all talk about, I'm sure, how good that defensive unit was as a whole this season. But, you know, he played a big part in that. And I think he, he deserves all the credit he, he's, he's been getting because he... In my opinion, he's definitely earned that number one spot. And I think I think you should trust him going into next season too. Yourself, Tom, number one for you next season? Yeah, I think he I think he should be because I think we have to build for the future. And if and if the club thinks he's the future, then you know, what is the message that you send if you then revert to Ben Foster? You know, it's it's kinda of harsh because Ben Foster could easily, I think, play on for another year as a Premier League number one. Uh, but you know, at some point, you do have to kind of almost put the club first, I think, and 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 that's going to be the that's going to be the uh, the dilemma facing facing Chisco. But I think you know, I have absolute confidence in both of them, which maybe wasn't always the case by the end with Herrelio Gomez. I just felt you know, loved the guy to bits, but just felt like he was past his best, possibly. Mm. And I suppose, I mean, he, he was never really going to to come into this debate because he didn't even play to be to be honest but um we probably should give Rob Elliott a quick mention just because he of course was brought in as a as a kind of backup and you know he had to test those guys I suppose the only question we can ask around him is uh do we think that he's going to be here next season yeah I mean you're talking about third choice goalkeeper it's kind of the most unique kind of active playing role in football isn't it it's it's almost a somewhat of a a, a co- not a coaching role but you're kind of there to make up the numbers in practice for a lot of the time aren't you but you have your impact and as we talked about there's some there's so much that goes on off off the pitch all this stuff's happening in the training ground and Rob Elliott um, he could have played a big part in that we just can't really see but if the club are happy with him I think you just got to trust him in this situation you've got to trust whatever the decision is made by the club is 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 one that's made because of those those kind of intangibles that we're not privy to so I think if he stays on then by all means and also too he has got a track record of playing um, you know, fairly often, or he's, he's got a fair few minutes under his belt too for a for a keeper that's been a second choice or third choice for much of his career. So, for me, it's it's kind of a quite straightforward one. You're probably going to see him uh, back at Vicarage Road in some capacity next season too. I, I would imagine. Okay, good stuff. Uh, that's the goal sorted out then. Um, Backman getting our number one spot in our best eleven. So, who are we going to go for in the defensive? positions then let's start with center back and there's uh, there's quite a few options to choose from here guys uh let's start with the last season's uh players that have come into this season so the likes of craig Cathcart, christian cabaselli uh let's start with Cathcart. he's not done anything wrong has he really he's he's actually surprised me very pleasantly with the you know the performances at right back particularly obviously the norwich mm. game uh it just it's quite hard to judge him purely on the basis that he's obviously uh, missed their last chunk of the season with injury. I think he's a very solid championship defender. I don't have a great issue with him 
um, you know, stepping up to the, the Premier League with us and potentially being someone that plays regularly, you know, 20 starts over the course of the season you know, speaks to the fact that we've got good options at centre-half that we probably haven't haven't missed him too badly. He is a very, he's just a steady Eddie, isn't he? And I don't think you can have too many um, too many players like that. And the fact that he's gives us that slightly different option at right back now, evidently someone who can, uh, you know, do a job there is is no bad thing either. I think he's. I'm. I'm really a big fan of Craig Cathcart. I think he's. He's been great for us over the years, and I think this season too, he's played his part. I think he scored. He scored the goal in the opening game, didn't he? The one last the game, and he, he's been in and out of the team. And I think as well, just coming towards the end of that season, that game against Norwich at right back, I think was just everything Craig Cathcart's about, really, isn't it? He does whatever he needs to. So kind of slightly surprising every time. Like you put him in difficult situations, and he, he kind of comes through it. And at centre back, I think he's one of those players that you can you're not expecting to be overly expansive. You're not expecting him to you're not expecting him to pull off these kind of really athletic kind of tackles and and be in those areas of the pitch. But he's someone that makes good decisions on the ball. He doesn't put you in trouble very often, uh, and you can just feel quite com- quite quite confident in him to to do what needs to be done. So I think Craig Cathcart is whilst he wouldn't be kind of in that that first eleven that we're kind of talking about the best eleven of the season. He's definitely one that that again he deserves some credit for. For promotion because he's he's definitely played his part when called upon. Okay, and uh, Christian Cabotet didn't really get much game time this season because he was injured for a lot of it. But um, in what you have seen of him, does he does he make it into your first eleven? No, but that's probably not a reflection on him. The thing with the defenders is, I think individually they've all been they've all been pretty good, haven't they? It's just that there's a couple of guys and one in particular that probably stood out. Above everyone else, interested actually. I just pulled up the the breakdown of starts and appearances this season. Cavaselli only made one start fewer than Cathcart, nineteen to Cathcart's twenty. I kind of thought mm. he barely scraped double figures this season, which just goes to show you, um, you know how his seasons kind of panned out. Which is unfortunate. He's another one that I'm perfectly happy stepping up to the Premier League, uh, with kind of as part of the the backup brigade. He is a he remains a decent centre half for me at this kind of our point of our where we're heading, our trajectory. It's interesting that you say that, Tom, because last season those two, as part of that defensive unit, got heavily criticised in the Premier League. I know, and I don't think. And the funny thing is, prior to that, they were perfectly good, weren't they? And they're part of a really good team and a good finish. So I don't know, Jordan, if you've got some insight on why that is, but I just think. I almost don't feel that relegation season was reflective of some of the players that were were part of it, and and I would include those guys particularly in that that. Kind yeah, of I mean, I think, I think if you look at any, I think if you're talking about a team that goes down, it's it's not always, especially a team that's had history in in the league and performing well. I think to suddenly start criticising or saying the lack of quality in in certain positions or specific players is sometimes a bit harsh. I think. We'd seen Cathcart and Cabaselli both perform at a high level in the Premier League. It's not the fact that they just simply weren't good enough and our defence simply wasn't good enough that we got relegated. There's so many factors at play and the whole team wasn't good enough as a whole. The whole collective performance, the players wasn't good enough. So I don't put it down to these individuals necessarily. Same as Craig Dawson too. You know, Craig Dawson got a lot of of negativity kind of surrounding him for his time with us. But we've seen him perform at times for us. Uh, I think after lockdown, he was one that was good. And obviously at West Ham, he had a really good start there too. So I think you talk about these players individually, it's not it's not always the case. Um, I think I think Cabaselli can, can perform at a high level still. 
uh, he's definitely one that, as you said, he's suffered from not being in the team, not being available enough. And that's kind of probably his biggest flaw in some ways. It's just not not being available enough. And you don't want to have to switch around too much at centre-back. That's definitely one of those positions you like, some some level of stability there. Um, and maybe he doesn't offer that quite enough. That could be a, a criticism of him. But lots of, lots of areas of the pitch are playing a part in that too. And I think we've got to kind of keep that in perspective. And whilst they weren't the best the previous season, I think we kind of have to look at it as a larger picture and see what they can what they can do and what they're still able to do. And I think this year we kind of saw some glimpses that um, they can still contribute to a high level that we need. Mm. Uh, but I do think that they're not kind of the players you're looking at potentially as starters. Obviously, the one or two, one of them might come in there and, and kind of be a supplement to, I think, a centre-back we'll talk about soon, which we feel much better about. But we also probably wouldn't feel too disappointed or too surprised if uh, another centre-back was to come in and take their, their place as a full-time starter. OK, that's Kafka and Cabaselli. Then we'll hold fire on whether they make it into our best 11 this season. Uh, the next guys we're going to talk about are the, are the new boys. Uh, and I'm going to include uh, a kind of old boy in that uh, group as well because we've got uh, Francisco Siralta. We've also got William Troost Ekong and Ben Wilmock, who, of course, has been on the books for a little while, but didn't really feature. In fact, he didn't feature at all last season because he was on loan in the championship. Um, we'll start then with... Uh, well, let's start with Ben Wilmock. Um, I think it started off quite well for him, guys, and there was a lot expected from this season because, of course, he had that season in the championship. He was kind of the one that was expected to sort of really hit the ground running because he knew this division very well. But it hasn't really worked out for him, though. But what do you think? Maybe he has earned his way into your first eleven. Uh, Tom, I'll start with for you. It's another one, isn't he? That you kind of say, I don't really think he's done a, a whole lot wrong. He was definitely a victim of the change of system, wasn't he? From the, the three centre halves to two, and then I think am I right in saying was he injured for that Norwich game where Sierra Alta, who's been a you know complete non-option up to that point, comes in. And, and never relinquishes the shirt. And, uh, you know, Sierra Alta finishes with more starts than anyone, uh, any of the centre-halves other than William Troostacong, who will obviously come on to shortly. And, and, you know, he didn't make his first until Boxing Day. So it's a funny... It's been a... I always think seasons end up being several seasons in one, don't they? But, you know, the the, the arrival of Sierra Alta on the scene is, is definitely kind of, you know, was the start of a new kind of chapter in this this season and probably the end really of of, um, of of Ben Wilmots and you have to say he's been kind of unlucky I hope that he is going to be involved next season because I really like him as a player I wonder however if we are going to have to potentially move someone out to make that work because five centre-halves into two places on a regular basis just isn't going to work unless he's going to be you know, considered a midfield option, which does seem to be where he's got most of his football, really, in the, the sort of second half of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Ben Wilmot's probably one of the, the... The way he was dealt with and the whole situation with Ben Wilmot's probably one of the biggest disappointments of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen anything on, on the pitch in terms of how he's played and and what we've seen from this season to, to really justify his lack of use um, kind of throughout the the second half of the season honestly I think he's been pretty good there were a few moments in, in the early parts of the season where you know maybe he felt like he made a mistake I, know, I can't remember if it was maybe Barnsley away he kind of threw himself under the bus um, a little bit for one of the goals but I, I I just think he's I think he's been quite solid and I think at his age I think we've talked the, the team has talked about multiple players have talked about we've talked about uh, that kind of potential leadership quality in the future he might be someone you look to kind of build a defence around and 
he's definitely probably the best the best pass of the ball, the most progressive centre back we have. So lots of things to like about him. I'm not quite sure what's led to him being left out of the squad almost completely. Even that you know final game of the season against Swansea, he wasn't involved at all until the last few minutes of the game. That seemed like a real opportunity, at the very least, to play him. Uh, it was a few months, it was a couple of months ago now, but I, I did a clubhouse with um, with Ben Wilmot's agent actually, and he was talking about how Ben Wilmot was at the time, even though he wasn't being he wasn't being involved or, or used too much, he was very happy at the club, and he'd been kind of assured that he was to have a role with the team going forwards and that, that he had a future here. But contrary to that, it, it seems kind of from what we've seen on social media in the recent in the recent week or so, he's. He's quite perplexed and unhappy with the situation himself. So I don't really know what the situation is, but I'm disappointed he's not been playing more because I think he's good enough. Um, and I think there are times where he could have been played. So that's just my opinion, but that's kind of how I feel. Mm. Interestingly, he did get more appearances this season for Watford in the Championship than he did for Swansea in the Championship last season. Mm. Well, he was very heavily relied upon under Ivic, wasn't he? He was, you know, I think he played most games under Ivic in that back three. Um, and... Yeah, I just I'm. Does a back three suit his game better than a back two? Maybe is that is that what Cisco identified? Well, perhaps. I mean, I think I think what you'd say is if you if you're looking at a back three, the the players that often have the most most of the possession in the whole team in, in a back three are them outside centre backs, and they're going to get a lot of the ball. And if you have one that can play forwards and can find players, and that is a real asset, and we we did have that in Ben. It didn't ultimately work too well because our midfielders, I mean, a movement from midfield and in front of him wasn't great in that period, but it definitely does suit him. Um, but even in the back, even in the, just that central two, I, I don't think he's got anything that really hurts you. I think defensively he's he's pretty good. I think he's not he's not as combative as the likes of Syriata or or Truce to Kong. But there were times this season where I did feel, even kind of coming into some of those games under Shishka, that we could have done with a, a centre back that was able to play into midfield a little bit more and, and take some of that pressure off Will Hughes. But I, I th- honestly think it's just a balance of the team. Um, the way that things went, the way that he was kind of dropped into that deeper position, he was just an outlet for centre backs. I think it kind of negated the the stronger points of of Wilmot perhaps, and allowed Cisco to rely on those more combative centre backs, which will have to do a lot of the dirty work at the back there. Maybe they felt, maybe he felt it was a better balance than having Wilmot in there for that extra passing ability, but you maybe lack a little bit of that kind of solidity in defence. That's the, that's the best kind of estimation I can make on on the situation, honestly. Okay, so Ben Wilmot with uh, a shout of getting into our, our best eleven, but let's move on. Uh, so Francisco Serralta, then the uh, the sort of player that we we knew least about coming into this season, um, but he uh, he really caught the eye, didn't he? This has been so strange, hasn't it? The Serralta kind of trajectory because he almost arrived as a kind of you know in the back door, didn't he? He was playing in friendlies, and I mean we knew it thanks to the age of social media and what have you. But he was playing in the the friendlies, wasn't he? Well before he was actually announced, you know, which made me wonder if it was almost a trial, and they're just, you know, seeing how it went before committing to taking him for the season. Is he is he with us long term? I can't even. I don't, a, I, yeah, I can't he signed even, a thing, four year contract. I think he signed four year contract. Right. Okay. There goes. And say so for a minute, I was like, hang on, was he only on loan? Um, you know, so he kind of snuck in the back door like that, and it, that impression that gave me the impression that he wasn't going to be heavily used and then obviously Ivic didn't fancy him for whatever reason did he because all the other guys that we've talked about played regularly and they still signed Trustecon possibly right up near the deadline was he Trustecon he was certainly much later in the summer wasn't he yeah. um, and and you know you thought okay so this guy's this guy's a walking accident evidently barely you know he's in the Molo kind of 
band of Udinese, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, filler. Uh, lo and behold, he's been he's been excellent, and you just think, well, what the hell was, what the hell was Ivic seeing? Um, so sometimes this happens in football, doesn't it? By accident, almost these players get an opportunity and they just mm. really grab it. And well, Decore was really, one of those, wasn't he? Really? Yeah, exactly that. That's a great example, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's he's been brilliant. He hasn't looked back and. He's the one I feel most confident about stepping up to the Premier League. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like he's got all the tools. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this is probably the one, this is probably a player that if I'm looking back on kind of when we signed him and when players sign, I try and look at these guys and, and, and talk about how they'll fit in the team or whatever and and try and get give an, give an impression of, of what to expect. And I think this is definitely one I missed on. Um, I feel like I definitely made the biggest mistake on Syriata. But also as a learning tool as well, I think. I think at the time he came, he we kind of knew that he was going to play in a back three. That was kind of the idea, wasn't it? Under Ivic, we kind of felt that it was pretty likely that's the way we're going to go um, for large parts of the season. I, I went back and watched his his time in Serie B and from the previous season that he he looked like he struggled a lot. Um, well, he, he at, barely played, didn't he? I mean, he he did. Yeah. He, never, he never featured through Danese. He only went out on loan. He was on loan at Palmer for, for two consecutive seasons, but only got, maybe, what, 10 appearances, six appearances the season after. And then Empoli uh, was his most recent football before joining Watford. Only 11 mm-hmm. appearances there in the season. I mean, this guy was 23 years of age when he came to us, and he had barely, he'd barely kicked a ball. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I watched him at Empoli, and I, I just saw... He was playing at right centre-back, so he was playing in that kind of outside centre-back position. I just saw a guy that was quite stiff, um, didn't didn't move particularly well. He was quite aggressive in, in getting close to his player, and often when you play in the outside centre back play uh, position, you, it's quite you know quite common you'll be playing against some a, a wide man or you know more mobile forward. And he looked like he got he got beaten a bit too easily. And I think also too he didn't quite he wasn't quite in a position to really show off his aerial dominance uh, as well there. Um, but it just it just shows you what a difference fit can make. And I think if we I think if it had played un, under Rivic in, in that outside centre back position, I think we would have seen a lot of the same things. I don't think he'd have been good enough there actually as it happens. Um, but what I did fail to do is is find enough footage or or go, uh, select enough footage to watch watch him playing a different scenario um, because that can make a big difference. And uh, as we've seen, he plays in that central two and he can be extremely dominant. And obviously, there's some progression and stuff there too, which you, you have to try and account for when you, you, you're looking at games. You're trying to look at those most recent fixtures to kind of have more of an understanding of where he is now. But it is an, is an example of how it's useful to look at them playing in, in different areas too, to, to get a full understanding. Um, because I think uh, Syriata is one that I considered would, would be kind of quite low down the pecking order when it came to our centre back choices. And for me now, he's quite clearly our best centre back. Yeah, when he first came, he was hardly getting any football here under Ivic, but he was playing internationally for Chile and he was doing very well by all accounts. And even uh, there was a journalist that came in uh, and spoke to Ivic, didn't, didn't he, Tom? And uh, you probably saw this on the uh, on the video when everything was, was via yes. Zoom. And uh, and he kind of said to, to Ivic, pretty much pretty much came out and, and said it straight away. He was like, why is, why is this guy not playing? And Ivic was kind of like, why should I play him? Yeah, and in fairness... In fairness to Ivic, you know, the guys that were in there at the time were doing well. And the fact that, you know, obviously there are clear winners in this and we, it's 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 Sierra Alta and, and Truce de Kong, right? But, you know, uh, uh, if the season had gone another way or injuries or, or whatever, 
you know, it's entirely conceivable that it could have been any two from Wilmot, uh, Cabot and, and, and Cathcart. You know, it's just the way the season has panned out. And it's, you know, you set out with great intentions or the expectations of who the kind of regular guys are going to be over the course of the season. It almost never works out that way entirely, does it? And, you know, Sierra Alta has been one of the beneficiaries. But at the start of the season, you know, for all the faults of Irich's team, they were still hard to beat. We didn't concede many goals back then either. So... Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a nice kind of happy accident, hasn't it? It it does it does happen from time to time, and as you say, Decore being another one, and and uh, he's been, he's been a real a real real find, and he's a great age as well, isn't he? That you know he will either have a good few years. I've realised now, saying great age makes him so similar. soccer AM, wasn't it? Soccer AM, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which I'd like to disassociate myself from. Um, <laughs> He, you know, he'll either have a good few years now. You think of the heart of that defence, or a couple of years, and then get sold for a good amount of money. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 very pleasing when it pays off like that. Good stuff. Well, that's one player then that um, I feel as though Tom might have in his best eleven. <laughs> uh, Jordan, possibly similar. Let's move on then to the last defender we're going to be talking about in that centre back role, and that's William Truste Kong, another guy that's come from Udinese, and another guy that's impressed us. Yeah, he's been great, hasn't he? I think. We'll kind of talk about the negatives real quick first. I think maybe some of that's that time in possession, a few kind of heart and mouth moments where he's tried to force that ball into midfield and just played it into a on rushing midfielder from the opposition, which does you know you you got to be careful of that stuff and it, it's it's been quite edgy at times. But having said that, I think defensively he's been very solid. He's his positioning is really good. He's good in the air. He's he's nice and tidy and. I think he's just done a, a really good job of forming a partnership with Sirialta too. Um, he's a good leader at the back there too. He's very vocal. You can see he's always kind of commanding that back line. And I think he was exactly what we needed when we're trying to reshape that back line. I know we just talked about previously with Cathcart and Cabaselli. You can't put all the, all the blame on, on a couple of players or focus on, on one season in particular all the time. But th- there were some areas that we felt like needed addressing. I think William Trusta Kong uh, played, a, played a big part in, in addressing that and, and making that that back line so formidable was is kind of how it turned out as the season went on, really, wasn't it? Yeah, not a huge amount to add to that. I just, uh, I think he's got the kind of the 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 basics, you know, down essentially. And you know, he's not, as we know, the guy that's necessarily going to progress the ball very well. He does have those heart in mouth moments, but I just think as well, he gets it, doesn't he? He he really seems bought into to this club and, and, and his kind of role here. And, you know, I was really surprised to learn it was him that kind of instigated that meeting, the, the now very famous meeting. Um, but I think that just speaks volumes for his role in the changing room. He's, he's evidently a very important player in more ways than one. Like you said, though, Jordan, he does have a mistake in him. Is he Premier League quality? I think it all depends on the role he's given. Um, if you go up and you're trying to play football out from the back and you maybe take the Norwich approach that they do and try and continue things exactly as they were in the championship, you know maybe some of those maybe some of those weaknesses might be more more apparent. You might you might suffer a little bit more for them. Obviously, those mistakes they could be pounced upon by more clinical teams. But there's also a good chance we do look to kind of maybe contain a little bit more at the back. And in that situation, he he fits. So it all just depends on on the on approach. But it's definitely something you got to keep an eye on. I wouldn't say that. Um, I wouldn't say you go into that 
into the Premier League season certain that that back four will be the same as it was when we ended it. There's definitely some room for debate there. And I'm sure I'm sure ownership are looking at potential upgrades if, if they become available, if they kind of fit our requirements. Um, but it really could go either way. I'm, I'm not I'm not certain to I'm not very I'm not massively convinced either way as of yet. Okay then, well that's the five contenders. Uh what was best uh centre backs this season then? Two I suppose we're looking for. Uh Trustekong and Sheralta, is that what we're going for? I think it's hard to really justify anything else personally. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Easy. Simple They're in. <laughs> They're in. So we've got Dan Backman and then ahead of him William Trustekong and Francisco Sarauta. So uh, left back then. And uh, this one is trickier because, of course, we've got Messina, we've got Lazar, and we'll discuss those, but neither of them really played from the off. So let's start off with who was playing uh, in this position at the start of the season. And I suppose that would be Ken Semmer in that left wing back position. I love Ken Semmer. I did not expect him to have any part to play this season whatsoever. He has been good. Did you not? No, I, I really thought he'd be gone, you know, out the back door, two lines. We thank Ken for his service. Off to Udinese, see you later. I really did, yeah. No, I, I did not expect him to be around. I still don't think he's very good. I still don't think he's up to the Premier League. He's not young. And I feel like for about three months we've said he's been completely absent. So if I'm being harsh and looking at areas where I would want to improve the team, and I know we're looking back rather than forwards, but I hope the two things sort of tie together a little bit. <laughs> he is he is someone I would have concerns about being first choice week in, week out in the Premier League. That said, the fact that he can play at left wing back, and I think he has played at left back, if not for us, then elsewhere in the past, and he can play as a winger. And he, you know, like, his production is decent. He's got assists. He's got goals. He is quite good at just getting his head down and running at, at people and, and, and cutting the ball back and what have you. That seems to be his kind of power move, doesn't it? Sort of really motoring past someone into the box and then cutting it back as the angle runs out. Um, probably makes him quite a useful squad player. Um, can I remember him at left wing back at all to judge him? No, not really. I'll say... I'll say on left wing back, I thought I thought he was I thought he did an adequate job. I thought there was times maybe he gave away a few too many free kicks. Even at left wing, he did a similar similar thing, maybe giving away too many free kicks, uh, kind of in his own half. But I thought he did an admirable job. I think he he had a lot of work to do in that position. He was I think it was very surprising. I thought in in that period he still was very capable of getting forward despite his defensive duties. He was often getting his get into the box and get into the byline, uh, which is impressive. I think it, if from the Defensive point. I thought he did a good enough job defensively. He did what was required of him, um, and he he was just exceptional. Still managing to get forward and get get into the box and get get balls into the box. I think he's he's been productive from there um, as well as as well as further forward. So I, I think when you when you're asking the player to play somewhat out of position, I know he's played there for Udinese. I think if you if they come in there and, and do a job and they they don't hurt you, I think you have to give them some credit. So yeah, I, I think he deserves some credit for that. Okay, so um, that was Ken Summer in that left wing back position. Although I suppose, like we said earlier in this formation, we're looking for more of a left back, so Summer might be out. But it was worth mentioning because he was playing for a vast part of the of the season, and uh, 
Ivic liked him there, but then once uh, this formation change came in, it felt as though it was more natural to have someone who played that left-back role better. And it came in perfectly with the timing of Adam Messina regaining his fitness. And uh, Adam Messina took over that role and never really looked back, did he? No, he didn't look back. I thought as soon as he came back in, it gave us that balance that we were kind of starting to to lack a little bit. We wanted to have that that left-sided player to, to give us that flexibility to change shape if we wanted to. And obviously, Shishko wanted to as soon as he came in. Um, and that was that was a big boost for us this season. I think he's... Maybe there are a couple of times it could be a little bit frustrating. He goes, he goes long a bit earlier than, than we perhaps want sometimes. Uh, but, you know... Defensively, I think he's really solid for for large portions of the season. I think he's been very solid, and he he offers you a lot. And I, I think we can look at using him in the Premier League still. Again, he's not one that I'd say is safe from um, from the kind of recruitment team looking at other options. But he's one that you can still feel pretty confident in in what he's going to give you. He's quite a known quantity now, um, and also mm. you, you can't you can't not mention the fact that he scored that free kick against Cardiff. I think that's. That's kind of my first thought when I think of Nasna this season. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a fantastic free kick, is it? I think, it, I think Terrible free it's kick. hyped up Terrible more because kick. the fact that it went in and it was a free kick that Watford scored rather than it being a piece of, of real quality. And that just felt like such a catalyst moment, didn't it, that Cardiff win? That oh, it was, felt absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. And it, it's just obviously Nasna synonymous in my mind with that with that moment. So, um, And also, too, that was it, was it the game after he scored a goal as well? Was it the next game at Vicarage yes, Road? He scored. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just that kind of, I think too when you uh, again we're talking about it's kind of like the story, the narrative of a promotion season. You kind of go back and you think about a promotion season. There's these little kind of, and you mentioned that there, Tom. It feels like lots of mini seasons within a season. The little clusters of kind of three or four games you kind of pick out in your head. And you know, I think Massner had his his club moment over those two or three games there, where he would, felt crucial and he had a, a direct impact in those games. And yeah, I, I think. He's had a good season. Um, I know he got in. He got. Did he get in the? He got in the championship EFL team this season, didn't he? He did. Uh, he did. Which which did seem a little bit odd, uh, considering the other players that you know. If you're just talking about Watford players, and there were some other good left back performances over the league too. But having said that, he he did contribute at, at crucial times, mm. and uh, he played his part. So I felt pretty good about Massena this year myself. It's also maybe also maybe absence makes the heart grow fonder a little bit too. In terms of we saw what it was like without him for a large portion too, and we were we were we were desperate for him to get back in that team by the time he got back to fitness. Do you think had Ivic had Messina from the start, would Ivic have lost his job? I think our problems were bigger than than Massina, Honestly, I think I think because the way Ivic made it out, it, he made it out as though that was the big problem that, that that would have sold everything. I understand it being a problem to him. I think it would have helped, but I. I think the I think the biggest issue was I just don't I just don't think the team were on board with what he was trying to do and I think you could just see that in the performances. Um, there's no, for me the the thing I always look the thing I always look back on and a good indicator of of the kind of application from the team is compare the compare the game against Tottenham under Rivich in pre-season to um, I'm trying to think of one of the one of the poorer performances um, under Rivich. I know there's a couple, but. You compare kind of to, maybe it was Bristol City away. I think it was pretty bad. You compare those performances. It's it's a lot of it's about application. It's not that Ivic was necessarily bad, but maybe something that just didn't click was that kind of his style with the squad, and, and clearly that deter- that relationship deteriorated over the season. And as time went on, it, it got bad. So I think to to put it down to to Massner is 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 not accurate. I think that's not a fair summation of the situation. 
Okay. Well, um, Ivic, as we know, was asking for that left back and almost to, to rub salt into the wounds. Uh, not only did, did did Watford get the left back that he, he kind of was hoping for in Messina uh, back to full fitness, but then we signed another one uh, in Ashraf Lazar. Uh, not only another left back, also another Moroccan uh, left back that uh, that has some experience in Italian football. Uh, two players very similar uh, with their backgrounds in, in Massena and Lazar, but um, quite different in their footballing abilities, guys. We've got very niche left-back choices, don't we? Um, yeah, I think uh, Azar came in at a time where we we needed cover. We we saw how costly it can be to not have that left-sided player when Masner wasn't available. Um, we wanted to have some some flexibility there. So he, he did his job and look, he made, he made a mistake against Luton that arguably cost us the game. Uh, in my opinion, it cost us the game. Uh, which is a shame, but the back pass is what you're referring yes, to. Yes, yeah. the back pass, the back when, and maybe it's hard. Okay, it's harsh to say it cost us a game because the performance was very bad from the whole team. So, but that individual moment, of course, was, you know, it it, it played a big part, and he he didn't maybe he didn't really shine in any moments um, at first when he was being introduced. But having said that, I thought the previous game, his last game against Swansea, last game of the season, I thought he was man of the match. Uh, in a lot of ways, I thought he got forward really well. Uh, he, he kept his width. He used the ball really nicely. His, yeah, his use of possession was really good, actually. He kind of played that ball forwards quite well. And he was able to support, which was something we, we definitely were lacking at parts of the season, actually, was someone able to support. And I think we'll get on to Ken Semmer again later. I know Tom touched on this. He kind of got a little bit anonymous as, as time went on. But I think a big part of that was a lack of support he was getting from left back. You compare that to, to the right-hand side when, when Ishmael Lazar is getting that, that support from Kiko Femenya. It's, it's night and day. And I think Lazar, in that game against Swans, he kind of showed that he's capable of doing that. Whether it's enough to earn him a contract, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's unlikely. But at the very least, he, he's given himself um, some decent footage to, to put out to, to clubs there when it comes into the of looking for a new team if that's what happens what about how hard he celebrates he's great great at celebrating if you're if you're oh, a team on the playing, brink of right pro- yes sorry yes yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> well if you're on the if you're a team on the brink of promotion i'd definitely bring lazar in for morale purposes or kind of high celebration highlights at the end of the season because he'll definitely get involved <laughs> Good He'll stuff. make up the numbers for sure. Okay, then. So uh, left back then uh, is, is this is this an easy one, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think so. I think it has to be Master, doesn't it? Yep, Tom. Yeah, no disagreement. And here. also, how can you really? T- it's, it's difficult to take out anyone of that back line that that's kind of started regularly in in the season where they've kind of performed so well. And I know these other these other players have had an impact in these clean sheets and this defensive record, but it does feel like that back four playing in a system that's also more offensive. They they kind of feel like they all deserve that place for sure. Okay, then right back, uh, and we have two right backs that um, we think quite highly of, and then a third right back who maybe didn't get as much game time as he would have liked. Uh, those three I'm talking about, of course, are Ingakia, Feminia, and Navarro. Um, should we get Navarro out of the way pretty quickly? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine this is what Scott Duxbury is <laughs> <laughs> He'll be here next season. You bloody know it. He's yeah, got, you reckon? He's got. Of course, he will. He's got incredible staying power. Um, <laughs> him and Lazar must just be best mates, just like just chancing their arm at championship living. Um, it was a nice assist actually. To be fair, against Swansea, wasn't it? Although it was a bit of a sort of hopeful toss down the line, and and success did the rest. It's one of those assists where you end up thinking, "All right, you were the last player to pass it, touch it before the goal scorer." But your contribution to this goal has been absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, 
I just think if you sum his season up in a GIF, and maybe this is a format that we should in- incorporate, uh, it would just be that free kick at Man United, wouldn't it? And just, oh no, yeah, yeah that was. He <laughs> lost me at that <laughs> point, it? and I know, and I know Jordan was very nice and tried to defend him, and say that he's meant to be very good at free kicks, but the evidence is uh, is yeah lacking somewhat. Jordan, he seemed to me like a player who has ability but not up to this level. I think perhaps he yeah. could do a very good job, um, maybe in League One. I don't think he's a League One. I think he's a. I think technically, I do think he's a good player still. I, I think League One. I think he's a. He's a, technically is above that standard. I think maybe the. I think maybe the. Just the maybe the, the components the that make a good. Yeah, I think maybe the components which were needed in our team. I think. For me, I think what the biggest part of Navarro, Navarro is is that he doesn't. He's not an easy fit. Um, I don't think he's outstanding. He's not a solid, outstanding defender, but he's also can be lacking going forward. He's kind of stuck in that no man's land of fullback, and most teams are kind of leaning pretty heavily one way or the other. I think maybe he. I think maybe his probably best chance of playing some regular football and 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 playing in a, in a team that fits him is maybe kind of returning to Spain and looking to to be in one of those one of those teams that's got got those fullbacks, which are going to be a little bit higher at the pitch, but. Maybe they're going to be a little bit more conservative too, where he can play in that in-between role where he's able to get a little bit forward, but he's not he's not relied on so heavily that he has to be consistently getting balls into the box. Although having said that, I thought probably his best parts of the season were his delivery. So maybe he, he'd benefit from being in a, a Segunda League team, which is kind of looking towards the top end of the table. Because I do think he has the ability to play in that that sort of level. Um, I, I don't. It wouldn't actually, in some ways, massively surprise me if he was able to, to contribute in in La Liga and, and, and play in the right circumstance. And I think even with us, he could have done if the situation was right. But I just don't think he ever really found his place. Uh, and he left a lot to be desired on the certain occasions. I think defensively he got... I'm trying to think of the game. I know Man United the way that there was a horrible start against Reese James. He got he got skin, skinned probably three times, four times by James in the first 10 minutes. And it really just looked like it was going to be a long night for Mark Navarro. And it turned out to, to be so. Okay, um, I tell you a stat. Yeah. Just quickly, sorry. Mark Navarro has played fewer minutes this season than Ashraf, Ashraf Lazar. Yeah, yes. that's, and that, that's, a, that's a shame. I, I will say, sorry, the last thing I'll say on Navarro, I thought he's he, he played in 90 minutes away at Arsenal in his first season for us. And I, I thought he was pretty good that game. Um, but he, he looks a shell of that player right now. And I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly why. Maybe it is, maybe it is kind of the role he was given. Um, but... It's clear. It's clear that he's definitely the right back. We feel that has to move on. Come come summertime. Okay then, um, Jeremy Ngakia, uh, a player who before the start of the season we had a lot of high hopes for. We just signed him, uh, and we by all accounts thought that it was a bit of a coup getting him in from West Ham. Uh, and it feels as though his season might have gone along a similar line to to Ben Wilmot in that maybe he hasn't really had the opportunities that he's deserved. But um, let's get into it, because when we've seen him, I think we've seen a lot of quality there. Tom? Yeah, I really like Jeremy Ngakia, and there was a point, and it may only been, you know, sort of taking the temperature from Twitter, but whereas, I, you know, this guy could be player of the season the way he's going, I thought he was really, really good in the opening kind of weeks of the season, and he seemed like quite a nice fit for the right wing-back role, even if he is by some stretch more defensive, more defensively minded than Kiko Feminier is. Um He's been another one, a bit like Wilmot, a bit like Domingos Keener, a bit like Tom Delibashiro, who thought, you know, younger lad, uh, championship, 
probably you know going to be a really big season for him, and he's just been unlucky in you know the injuries that have come when uh, or the unavailability when uh, Femini has been unavailable. Which let's face it, he's been pretty much there uh, after the the first couple of weeks, the first sort of couple of months of the season. Uh, Femini has been there, so it's been a little bit. It's been a little bit hard on. And Gakia, I think I think he's a really decent player, and it's it's nice that in the two football nice, it's you know it's better than that. Uh, it's it's good that in our two sort of right sided fullbacks, we have one with a very distinct set of skills, skills, and another with a different but distinct set of skills. You know, horses for courses. So um, if he played forty six games or you know more games, I think he'd be he'd be the the, the nailed on right back, wouldn't he? But you can't argue with Kiko. Yeah, it's it's not easy to be stuck behind the best right back in in, in the possibly world. in the league, is it? Um, in the world, yeah. Um, it, it's difficult, especially oh, wow. when he, you yeah, know, Kiko has been fantastic. So it's tough for Ngaki to kind of fight into that team. But don't be surprised if you see much more of him in the Premier League too, because I think his qualities, his kind of what you look at Ngaki as a right back, you think of that defensive one-on-one ability. I think he's a really good one-on-one defender, and we're going to need a lot of that um, next season. So you might see more of him. Only 20 years old, 25 appearances this season. Look, he's got huge upside, and I think he'd be starting for a lot of teams in the Championship right now, and probably a couple. There's, you know, maybe a couple in the Premier League too. Um, so I think there's a there's a big part for him to play, and it's unfortunate he didn't get more of a starting role. But as you say, there, Matt, he's 20 years old. It's okay. There's time. Um, he can take some. He can take some stuff away from this season. He did. He did play a fair few minutes still. Um, even so, so. I still feel good in Ngakia, um, but obviously we'll kind of lead into, lead into Femenia here, who I think we all feel uh, even better about. Well, go on then, Jordan, take it away. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been outstanding for, for the entirety of the season, really. He's supported Ismail Star in such an effective way. Um, defensively, he's not hurt us at all. He's, he's able to kind of get back. He's got that mobility to get up and down the line. And he's been a real threat. I think he's just been... He's been obviously 50% of what was an extremely dangerous right-hand side. And I think if you're looking at areas of the pitch, which kind of won us that league and made us that that dangerous, threatening side, it's definitely that right-hand side. And, and he's, he's a big part of that. So I, I can't really look too much past him in, in terms of that starting right-back position because clearly he's been one of the best players of the season at the very least. Um, and yeah, nothing but positive to say about Kiko. Were we were we seeing that performance week in week out when he was in the Premier League? Genuinely, I've been convinced since he's been with us that he is very capable of playing in the Premier League. I think the the difference is it's the style of play. Kiko Femenya is a forward thinking right back. He wants to have the ball at his feet. He wants to. He can play in tight areas. He's happy to get forward and he's happy to help out his winger. I think if you're looking, for example, at you know, maybe a team like Arsenal when they brought in Cedric from Southampton, very surprised they're not looking at the likes of Kiko Femenya because I think he offers more. Um, in those situations, I think he'd thrive at a, a team that looks to dominate the ball and dropping down that level. Yes, yes, you're playing against weaker opposition, but I think that the real reason you saw him shine was because of the fact he's in that more possession dominant team, which is why next season will be interesting to see because we, you know, we're probably going to be switching back to something a little bit more conservative and maybe, uh, maybe a system that suits Ngakia more than Femenia. Uh, but for me, I think I think Femenia's a top player and he did look much better than the standard he was playing at because I, I believe that he is. Tom. Yeah, absolutely right. I think uh, in the past, I've been a little bit wary of him because of the sort of defensive side of his game in the Premier League. But I think that's improved. And I think he has looked head and shoulders above this level at times, hasn't he? Um, You know, the way he kind of 
makes space and 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 runs and and runs past fullbacks and so on. He's been he's been excellent, and his kind of link up play and the relationship and the understanding that he's built with Ismail Assar has been has been absolutely fantastic. And there haven't been many, if any, teams that have been able to really sort of lock those two down. And you know, it's uh, it's been fantastic they've been able to keep him because he was one of the ones that really looked like he was often. He was, seemed to have pretty serious interest from abroad. Um, last summer, but all the indications are now that he's going to stick around, and I just think uh, you know that right back position is is really strong with him and Ngakia. I just looked up at looked at some stats up for hit the pair of them, and Ngakia has actually um, uh, attempted uh, and and completed more dribbles per ninety than Kiko this season, which really surprised me. But I guess the point is that they're in different areas of uh, of the field. But also too, that's how I think if you I think the two the difference between them two players is Kiko's offensive threat is all is mostly about how he uses the ball. It's more about kind of the, the balls down the line or the crosses that he can put into the box. Yeah. Where Ngakia is he can carry the ball extremely well. And that's he that was also something that stuck stuck out at West Ham for his few appearances there as well. He's really good at carrying the ball. It's more when he gets into that final third, he's not perhaps as as, as effective as Kiko. Um, but he's definitely one that can carry that ball. And again, it brings us back to what you might need in the Premier League a little bit more than, than the Championship as well. OK, then, so voting time. And maybe you've already uh, placed your bets on uh, on who we're going to be going for. <laughs> but uh, it seems as though it's going to be Kiko Familia for both of you. Yep, definitely. Mark Navarro. <laughs> <laughs> Protest vote. No, yeah. it's it's Kiko, isn't it? Okay, cool. So we've got our goalkeeper. Our goalkeeper is Dan Backman. And we've got our defence as well. We've gone in the centre-back positions. You've got uh, William Truster-Kong that we've gone for and also Francisco Siralta. And left-back, we've gone for Adam Messina and right-back Kiko Firmenia. And to be honest, all of those were kind of what I think you think were going to be the ones we were going to go for. And obviously... We've gone with exactly what you thought we were going to go for because, to be honest, there wasn't a lot of competition. We've tried to give everyone a bit of a, a you know, a chance at it. But um, to be honest, those were going to be our four slash five. So that that's probably how it was going to be. But I believe, I believe the midfield is going to be a trickier subject. But because we've already gone, goodness me, we've nearly gone to an hour already. We're going to reconvene and come back for the midfield and the wingers and the strikers in part two of this epic podcast. Um, but Tom, uh, thanks for joining me again and, and Jordan likewise. Tom, are you looking forward to, to, to discussing the midfielders and, and the wingers and, and the strikers? Yeah, as you say, I think it gets a little bit more interesting, doesn't it? Because everybody's had a little bit of a... A go at different times uh, in, in those kind of in those kind of areas, and there's you know there's been um, there's been some sort of disruption and changes, hasn't there? We've seen Saar through the middle and wide, and Ditto that with Pedro. You know, we obviously had the period where Troy Deeney was scoring a lot of goals and winning a lot of matches, pretty much single-handedly with his penalties and so on. So I think it's I think it's a really and then you have obviously got like Zinkenagel coming in later in the season, Dan Gosling coming in later in the season. Isaac's success, you know, there's debate to be had there. So I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Yes, absolutely. And in this second part, we're also going to discuss uh, about who we think should be our player of the season and why. And there's already been a few contenders to talk about, namely Dan Backman, Francisco Siralta, 
and also Kiko Feminia. Do you think those are the biggest shouts that we've mentioned already? Yes. There's obviously a couple more to come, isn't there, in the mm. forward areas. I'm thinking particularly um, particularly Ishmael Asar. But do you know what? For the first time in a long time, I don't think the player of the season was clear-cut, was it? Which is probably quite a good sign in itself of how many players have been uh, have been really really top notch this season absolutely okay well that's the end of uh, the Watford season review part one part two will be coming out shortly where of course we'll be talking like I said about the midfielders including the wingers and of course up front as well so from myself from Jordan and from Tom thanks for joining us and I hope you've enjoyed the season please stick with us because we'll be bringing loads of stuff out uh, in the off season and of course that part two still to come but uh, for the moment enjoy the rest of your week enjoy listening to the Watford pod give us a follow at Watford pod on Twitter leave us a review on iTunes and we'll be back again to chat to you very soon all the best then see you later